All right, you ready to study the scriptures? Get your Bible out. Uh, if you're new to faith or if you're new around one chapel, we look to the Bible for instruction and for um, understanding. And, uh, and so we're gonna, we've been on a series called United, a letter to the Ephesians. And we're looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. The Apostle Paul was a church pioneer and a a church planter, and he planted all these little congregations, shared the message of Jesus with all these people in what is now known as modern Turkey. Uh, Ephesians refers to the inhabitants of Ephesus, and uh, Ephesus is just a pile of ruins right now, um, uh, but it was a thriving metropolitan city uh, full of commerce, full of culture, and, uh, and this was designed as a circular letter to be sent all throughout uh, what is now Western Turkey. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's rich with theology. And uh, Peter was not addressing a certain problem in this fledgling community of faith, but he was interested in them understanding who God is and who we are as his people. And so he, you know, it's, it's, this book has a lot of theological constructs and concepts. But the point of theology is the study of God, right? The point of theology is not just to know about God. Paul was writing it so that they could know him. Because this is what, what he was interested in is, is, was a relationship with God. And so we're going to read uh, right now where we are is in chapter 2, verse 11. And we're going to go uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, and we're going to look at that. In fact, this week will be our, our last week for this series. We're going to go do some, some different things this next week as we kick off a brand new series for Easter called Resurrection Stories, and I'm pretty excited about this because we're going to, we're going to tell people stories all through the Gospels, what Jesus did for them, and we're going to tell people stories at one chapel and what Jesus has done for them, and I'm pretty excited about that. You've heard Pastor Brent talking about it. If you want to go to onechapel.com, you can tell your story there. You can share it, and, and we'd love to hear about it, and uh, we want to share those stories in our community, so we're going to do that for a few weeks, then we'll come back to study the rest of the book of Ephesians, all right? Uh, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? You have your message notes? I believe in message notes, all right? I know some of you are following along on your smartphone. That's completely fine, but I do think there's something that happens in retention when you write it down, <laughs> right? There's something, you hear it, and then it goes away about four o'clock today. But if you will hear it and write something down, and then better yet, talk about it over lunch, you're starting to retain what Jesus is speaking to you. And hey, at the end of the day, it's really not about what I say to you, it's about what the Holy Spirit says to you while we're studying together. So Father, would you illuminate our hearts and minds? Would you teach us and train us? Would you show us what is in your word and, and how you want us to function as your people? Lord, give us the grace to be able to obey. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? <coughs> you ever felt like you didn't belong somewhere? I sure have. One, one of those moments was yesterday at the men's retreat. <laughs> I was on the flag football field. I don't know if you know much about flag football, but 
Flag football is really not flag football. <laughs> it's tackle football with flags. <laughs> and we were playing with all these guys, you know, all these different age ranges. But I was at the top of the age range, near the top. I think Ronnie's a little older than me. Ronnie was out there and he was giving it his all. He was running and it was incredible. At that moment that he caught that ball and bloodied himself, I, he came off the field. I, was, I, was, I had already um, had somebody come in for me because I needed a rest. I needed a break, and, I, and so I was watching, and I wish I had a camera so I could show it to you, because it was just like, it was like it was happening in slow motion. It was like, <laughs> along that dirt road, <laughs> and he comes, he comes up, and he gets the ball, and everybody just goes nuts. Oh my gosh, did you see that? And all the 22-year-olds are going, he's all right. He's all right. He's good. Right? I, like, like I, I came on the field and I gave him a big high five and his blood splattered all over me. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was so gross. That's why it's so legendary. And he, I mean, he, he is receiving the glory of the battlefield. <laughs> the winning touchdown. But I, I, all through that afternoon, I'm playing and I... I couldn't help but feeling like, I don't know if I belong here. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. I'm certainly not willing to lay out my body like that. <laughs> and I, and it, got so, it got so tiring, you could see all the guys who were older than 30, right? Like the 30 and over crowd. At the end of the last game, you know, we kind of did a round-robin tournament. And so at the end of the last game, you could see all, I was so funny because there was plenty of, older guys on my team, and, and as the guy would say, hike, and everybody's supposed to jump off the line and, and run their routes and, and, and push down the field. <laughs> At the end of the game, it was just like, hike. <sighs> I'm open. <laughs> I'm here. You know, I'm not, I'm not down there. I'm right here. <laughs> All the guys under 30 were like, ah, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Throw it to him. My body was hurting. It was like I didn't belong. Something's wrong here. It's interesting. I think that's a scheme of humanity. It's a cultural, it's a cultural issue. Trying to tell people they don't belong. Today we're going to talk about a disagreement between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul is addressing Gentiles. Gentiles meaning everybody who wasn't a Jew. <laughs> and this letter is primarily written to those guys. And, and he was, because they, suddenly, there's all of these people who are not part of God's people. And they're coming to Christ in an overwhelming numbers and something is happening and they're being ushered into God's family to belong. And there is, a, there is a fight between what has formerly been known as God's family and these new people who are starting to belong to this community. And Paul the Apostle is trying to coach this, these communities how to function together. And if you think about it, 
This is a historic problem, not just between Jews and Gentiles, but between all kinds of people. Wars fought over differences of nationalities. Anger across generations. Um, Irritation with how people function differently than us. And an inability or an unwillingness to participate with them because of the difference. It's a human nature thing that's happened. All you got to do is flip on the news and see what's happening all across the Middle East. You can see it happening all over the world in Russia and Ukraine. You can see the distinction, the dividing line, the dividing walls between people. And what Paul is, is describing here is he's trying to say, look, you Gentile believers, you who have come to Jesus, you belong. Don't let anybody tell you different. You belong. That's the name of the message today. You belong. Because what he's coaching them in And what he's coaching the the Jewish people that are also reading this letter is, hey, the world's made up of, of insiders and outsiders, and I want you to eliminate those distinctions. Because if if you're an insider, if you're God's chosen people, the Jewish people, then I want you to open up your arms. I want you to eliminate the walls. And I want you to invite people in who have formerly been outsiders because they are now part of your family. This is what God's people are really called to do since the very beginning. It's a misunderstanding. And what, and what Paul is coaching people on here is how to make sure that the historical walls do not remain in place, that they are broken down. Look at verse 11 in Ephesians 2. Verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, right? In my Bible, that has quotes around it. Um, and, and because it was a derogatory term. Because circumcision, as wonderful as it is, is was a mark that God gave to his people. And so, so there's, a, there's a distinction here between this mark, and I think it's important to understand that the Jews thought their mark in the flesh made them holy. This is one of the distinguishing marks. It's the, man, we're God's people. This is, this is how we operate. This is what God told us to do, and, we, and so we obey, and, and, that's, and because we're part of this group, that's what makes us holy. But Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus came, and what Paul's gonna say is in his own flesh, in his own body, made a mark on us to make us holy, to bring us into this family. Look at what he says. He says, verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Turn over to Genesis 12. I want you to see that. If If you have your Bible with you, go all the way over, front of the Bible, the 12th chapter in Genesis, and I want you to look at what's written here. And I want you to see this, Genesis 12.1, because it is instructive about what God told his people. Because God told his people they were gonna be special. Abraham was the first father of the family of Israel, and he, he, he received a promise, and it's called the Abrahamic blessing or the Abrahamic covenant, and, and God 
chose this family and this group of people. And he said all the way through the Old Testament, you're special. You're favored. You are my people. And I want your hearts to be inclined towards me because my heart's inclined towards you. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. As they retained that favored status and through the years, over the centuries, the Jewish people began to adopt an us versus them mentality. It was not what God had in mind. It is not, he, they began to think, we're special and you're not. They began to think, we're in and you're out with God. We're the in crowd and you're the out crowd. There's nothing worse than that, is there? Feeling like you're not in the in crowd. You're on the fringe. God told Abraham to go to a place that he would show them. It was a walk of faith. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. If you have your pen, you should underline that little phrase. You will be a blessing. Verse 3 says, I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. But all peoples and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's design and his desire was to bless this group of people in order to bless others. That was his purpose, and he was going to bring the Messiah through this line of people, and he was going to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And so we, here's the thing, we are blessed to be a blessing. This is what God originally designed for his people, and we, most of this room is full of Gentiles. Most of this room are full of people who are not of Jewish descent, but we have come into the family because of what Christ has done. And as Christ welcomed us into what God was doing in the earth, what we find is that we are blessed, we are favored, we have favor from God, and, and he loves us, and he embraces us, and that, but, but if we ever think that that favor and that blessing is just for us to use up, just for us to consume it ourselves, We are seriously flawed in our theology, in our understanding of God's purposes. What God does is he favors us and blesses us in order to be a blessing to the people around him, around us who need him. What, is, what happened to the Jewish people was their favored status became separate from their purpose. So in your next fill in the blank, our favored status must never, must always be linked. It must always be linked to our purpose. It's got to pour out of our lives. It's interesting to note in the Old Testament, even foreigners could bind themselves to God's people by obeying the law, right? And Jewish people uh, welcomed them in to a certain degree, but there was a, still a distinction, a class, because, and Jewish people got prideful and starting, started to disconnect their purpose from their status. But God's intention was, even, in, even as Jesus was here in Acts 1.8, we see that Jesus is telling his disciples right before he leaves the earth, he's saying, look, now I want you to wait here because what's coming is really amazing because I'm going to bust out all over. The kingdom of God is going to go all over the place to all kinds of people. And Acts 1.8, he says, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power for what? He says, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. Witnesses. 
You're a witness to what's happened. You've seen what Christ has done in your own life. And you need power, not just for yourself, but to make sure you're sharing it with others. And so there's a, there's a thing here that we've got to understand. Paul says this, this final phrase in verse 12. It says, you realize that you were foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. Without hope and without God. What a terrible place to be. You and I were all like that at one point. Even if you were raised in church, There had to come a revelation, a moment where you realized God was for you. You were without hope and without God. Without hope, all is lost. You remember in the, in the Hunger Games movie, the original, right? How many seen the Hunger Games? How many read the book? Oh, a lot of you, huh? That's good. Book's always better. But there's that scene, there's that scene when President Snow is talking to Seneca Crane and they're talking about how to control the districts. They're talking about how to deal with Katniss Everdeen and what to do and, and how to maintain a certain amount of control and maintain a certain amount of fear. And what he says is such a great thing. He says, hope, it is the only thing that's stronger than fear. People will try to control you with fear. It is human nature. Actually, the devil will try to control you with fear. God's plan is to give you hope. Hope for a purpose. Hope for meaning. Hope for belonging. Hope to belong to something greater than yourself. Every human desires it, needs it, has this innate sense of wanting to belong to something great. God put that in us. And his plan was to break down the barrier between people because Jesus is a barrier breaker. Jesus is a barrier breaker, and he's calling you and me to be barrier breakers. Do you know that Jesus was always violating the barriers of his day? He was violating the political barriers. He was dealing with people who Jewish people didn't associate with. He was always pressing the boundaries. He was talking to women who were uh, mistreated in that day and age, and he was giving them dignity. He was always healing and touching people, lep leprosy, consumed, con people consumed with leprosy and lepers were, were healed by him because he would, he would cross the boundary and actually touch them. That's what Jesus does and that's what we're called to do. That's what Paul's telling these people. This is what has happened. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You've been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man. Everybody say one new man. One new purpose, one new person out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross which was his instrument of tearing down the wall between people. The cross tore de tears down the wall between God and man, and it tears down the wall between people. By which he put to death their hostility. Verse 17, he came and preached peace. Everybody say peace. He preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have, an, have access 
to the Father by one spirit. 19, let's just finish the passage and then we'll talk about it. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We're not just a group of people. We we actually belong in the house. We're part of the family. He says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the history of with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In other words, Christ has always been in the plan and he is what the building is built on. The whole thing hinges on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds the building together. Verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about us. The temple becoming a temple for him to dwell in. Verse 22, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling. Everybody say dwelling. We are a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want you to understand what Jesus was doing here. Christ redefined how a person became holy. You got the Jewish people? Here's how you become holy. You do everything that's written in the law. You do it all right, you're okay. The problem is, they almost never did it right. <laughs> and that's human nature too. We want to do the right thing, but we almost, it, we can't do it 100% of the time. You can't, we just can't. We, we hold it up as a standard. We like these ideas. We hold them up in our culture. But then we, there's people, so many people, the, the news is full of people who just couldn't live like they know they should. So they violated somebody else. They destroyed their lives. But Christ was redefining how a person became holy, moving from a religious based, a religion based on laws and on commandments to a relationship with God that was based on love and life together. That's why all through this letter, Paul keeps saying, look, I want you to be united with Christ. I want you to unite yourself with him. And now he's saying, I want you to unite yourselves with one another. I want you to live in a community where you are convinced that you belong, that you're part of what God is doing. What's so, we have to stop and ask the question. Okay, so great, sounds good, I'm I'm in. What's so great about unity? What's so great about unity anyway? You are aware that people look at the church often, the church in American culture, and they look at it as a homogenous group of people who don't think for themselves, who gravitate towards groupthink. They're not thoughtful. They're not helpful. Uh, they're just all kind of sticking together with themselves. Jesus is calling us, one chapel, to break down that stereotype. Jesus is calling us to eliminate that as our reputation. Paul, the apostle, is highlighting it here for these insecure Gentile believers who feel like they don't belong. But here's the miracle. Here's the miracle of what unity is all about, all right? Our namesake, one chapel, comes from John 17. It is the prayer of Jesus. It's in your message notes. I want you to read it. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. And that all of them may be one father just as you, you are in me and I am in you. That they all may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Sound familiar? In Christ. Christ. 
Christ in us. The hope of glory is what Paul said. He says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me and I have given them the glory that you gave me and that they may be one as we are one. That's a, that's a pretty awesome oneness. Jesus says he never did anything without his father's instruction. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, the oneness that, that, that we find there is what Jesus is praying for us to join the community, the eternal fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to join together with one another and join that community and for that oneness to take over in us. And so how, why is that such a big deal? Number one, it's unity, not uniformity that Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about us all being the same. The miracle of unity is that diversity comes together under one banner, under one umbrella, under one identifying mark, and that mark is made by Jesus Christ himself and his death on a cross. And when we surrender to that, we don't hold our identifiers, our first identifiers, we don't insist on our own rights. We insist on the serving of others because that's what Jesus did for us. And we are joined to a community of serving, serving and loving and sharing what we have with others who are different than us. Hey, One Chapel, we, we have some work to do in this area. We have work to do across generational lines to love people practically and tangibly that are, that are in a different circle than us. We have work to do between Hispanics and Anglos. We have work to do in our church in regards to this. We, I, and I, I confess, I don't know how it all is supposed to work, but I think the miracle is in different people who have totally different backgrounds and cultures and contexts coming together and declaring one supreme message. And that message is, you belong. Jesus has invited you into the family. And we want you to belong. The purpose of unity. You know, what, you, know what Jesus, you know what Jesus says is the purpose of this unity? He says, I want them all to be one so that the world will believe. So that the world will believe in Jesus. So that the, one, the world will understand who he really is. That's the power of unity. That's the display, now follow me, of an alternative type of community that loves each other instead of is full of selfishness. An alternative community that has as its highest values the laying down of our lives because that's what Jesus did for us. The, an alternative community where we embrace those who don't even think like us, but we love them because of what Christ is doing in them and what Christ has done in us. That's what we're called to, and that's what Paul is talking about here. And so <clears throat> in Christ... I want to give you three things, three things that this passage tells us. Number one, in Christ, Paul says we are a family. We are family. We're not just a conglomeration of people who get together, a network of relationships. We are family. We don't just tolerate each other. We belong to each other. You know how families are supposed to act, but they often don't act this way in our culture? We have many, many dysfunctional families in our culture. Most of you statistically either live in a divorced family or a dysfunctional family. So it's really hard when I say, hey, we are a family, because that conjures up all kinds of crazy ideas for you. 
Let me give you some clarity about what Paul's talking about. Psalm 68, four through six, the psalmist says, sing to God, sing and praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. What's the big deal? Why do we need to sing and make such a big deal out of God? Verse five tells us why. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy, holy dwelling. Hey, another way to say this would be wherever God dwells, that's where orphans and widows are cared for. When orphans and widows are cared for, that's where God's presence is breathed. The caring for those who are weak and vulnerable, that's what, that's, that's what God wants from us. Verse 6, look at it. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. What he's saying is, if you feel isolated, if you feel alone, alone come to Jesus and he will put you in a place where you belong. No longer strangers and foreigners, but family. You know what Sunday morning's like? Sunday morning in church is kind of like a family that invites someone over for dinner. Right? We, so that's, that's what we're doing here. Some of you are coming to dinner for the first time, and we invite people to come, right? So what do you do when you invite people over for dinner at your house? You clean like mad. <laughs> Why do you clean like mad? Because you don't want them to see how you usually live. Right? So you clean everything up really immaculate because you don't want them to see all the dirty laundry on their first visit. Now, if they become friends or if they become like family, they get refrigerator privileges. (laughs) We got kids all over our neighborhood that walk through our door. They don't even knock. They just walk in and they go straight to the pantry. Sunday morning's a little bit, Sunday morning's a little bit like inviting people over for dinner and saying, um, you know, we're not going to show you our dirty laundry on your first visit, (laughs) but the truth is there is dirty laundry and there's stuff behind the milk in the refrigerator that you do not want to (laughs) touch. But, but, but you, and you got to know that that's there because this is not a perfect family, but we want you to know that you belong And the way we belong is Jesus Christ himself does something in us and changes us, transforms us. But that's a, quite a process. And while he's transforming us, we want you to know you belong here. We're a family, not just a group of people. That means belonging. That means like blood. I love this. When you think about a family, what you think of is, I belong to this group of people. Adoption is the best picture of this. You, you, there's, a, there's a child who is without care and without a parent to guide him or her. And you become an adoptive parent. And it's such a brilliant picture of Jesus himself and what the father does as, as the spirit of adoption comes on us and we respond to him and we have a father God sets the lonely in families. He sets the weak in families. He, sends, he sets the ones who seem like they don't fit in a family. That's the nature of the gospel message, and we have to embrace it. Belonging is part of the gospel message. This idea of family and blood. Jesus spilled his blood. His blood flows through my veins now, your veins too. We're connected. We have shared DNA. You know what that is? That's characteristics. We have characteristics of Jesus because of what we've done. 
what, 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 I'm sorry, what Christ has done and what we do when we follow him. And so we have these, these characteristics that we share. I don't know if you've ever ha- seen this, but in your parents, you will see things in yourself that you did not want to become. <laughs> right? Suddenly I'll say something and it'll come out and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that sounded just like my dad. That's right. I find myself, like, like I find myself sometimes, my, my grandpa stood this way. He did, he did a lot of this, his, his, his hand on his, on his hip right here, and, and he'd be doing something, and he'd put his hand right here, and I find myself doing that. I'm like, where, where did that come from? That was so weird. <laughs> I, th- I can just see my grandpa right there like that. It's just strange. How did that get in me? I'm related. There's connection. We're connected to one another. We're, we're related to Jesus. And when we're related to Jesus, that means we're related to one another. And that means we have a blessing that we're supposed to receive as a family, and then we share that blessing with others. And that blessing, you know what it is? It's our family practices. It's our culture. It's the way we treat one another. It's our manners. It's the way God works among his people. And listen, make no mistake, One Chapel, God is going to press us on this by adding more and more people who are diverse and eclectic because that's what South Austin is. And so we need to practice it among ourselves because if we can't practice it among ourselves, how in the world are we going to do it in our city? Which is what God's calling us to. Not just a me and Jesus gospel. That's what Paul's saying here. Because a me and Jesus gospel says you're optional. It's just me and Jesus, but I don't, I don't know if I need you. But a us and Jesus, a community gospel says, I can't be me without you. I love coming to church. I look forward to being with God's people, and I think that's how it should be. I want you to look forward to being with the people who love you. Now, I know you will wake up on many a Sunday and be grumpy. And you'll come to church anyway, and you'll sit, sit, you'll get in a chair, and the worship will start, and you'll be like. (laughs) But that's not how we're supposed to function. We don't just come to church to receive, we come to church to give out as well, because you're part of the family. You You know what we call people who don't have chores in our family? Spoiled. If you're part of the family, you, 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 not only do you have privileges, but you have responsibilities too. And that's to care for the people around you. And that's to, to make sure that this family is healthy and strong so that the purpose is accomplished. And that purpose uh, is so big. It has so many components to it, but it, we're establishing a culture that Paul's talking about here and saying, look, you Gentiles, you belong. Jesus himself is the cornerstone and he's building you into something. He's making something. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And, and so I'm going to give you the next fill in the blanks. Number two is we are peacemakers, not peacekeepers, peacemakers. We bring peace into conflict. We bring peace where there is anxiety. That's just part of our culture. That's part of what we do as God's people. Where people are fighting, we break down the wall. We bring reconciliation. That's the verse that's right there. The Apostle Paul uh, articulates in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm not going to take time to read it. But here's the thing. Here's the idea you need to get. Since we are friends of God, since we're related to God, it necessitates that we're friends with each other and that we love each other. 
Reconciling means bringing friends together. You know what you want at a party when you show up at a party? Have you ever shown up at a party? You're like, oh man, I hope my friend is there. You show up to the door and you got your, your chips and guac. You ring the doorbell and you're like, they come to the door and you're like, hey, I am uh, here. Hey, now who are you? Big party. You're, you're bringing it. They, they take your chips and guac and you're just like, I'm looking for my friend. Where's my friend? Where's my friend? I'm going to be okay as long as I can see my friend. Where's my friend? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to stand here and be like, oh, so awkward, so weird. I'm just going to stand here eating my guac and chips. It's terrible. <laughs> you know what you want when you go to a place like that? You want somebody that you know, but in the absence, and once your friend is there, you're like, I'm good. I'm cool. See, I got a drink now non-alcoholic, and um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm totally teasing, I mean, and, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're eating your chips, and you're cool, because you're, 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 you don't have to be the awkward man out, the person who doesn't belong, but in the absence of a person who knows you, you know what you want? You want somebody to say, oh, chips and guac, that is so awesome, here, let me take you to where this goes, come on, I'll introduce you, my name's James, and I'm... This is Joe, and here's Billy Bob, and, and we're gonna and and and, and I. <laughs> it's South Austin, so you go, so you go, and you and, and you get in there, and, and you and you put your chips down, and you're like, and hey, uh, here here's where everything is. Get something to drink, all right? Hey, and I want to introduce you to so and so because I think you you guys might really hit it off. You want somebody to take care of you. We are peacemakers. We rid people of anxiety. We help people in the midst of conflict. That's what we're doing. If you've, if you've never been to one chapel before, I want to say you're welcome yes. here. You're welcome here. You've had some bad experiences with churches. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. You, 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 you've been mistreated. I want to say it right up front. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That was never God's heart for that to happen to you. But one chapel, as his people, we have to ensure that we will not be the cause of people's rejection of the gospel. We have to be the people who will share the gospel. And the gospel is shared in a community of love and of connection and of belonging. Out of time. Can't see through my tears. Number three, we are God's dwelling place. Here's what everybody's looking for. Man, the presence of God, the work of God in a group of people. Listen, God's presence is the distinguishing mark of his people. He, he spends all this time saying, you're a holy temple. And the holy temple is pretty profound. He says, he, he, this would have made so much sense to the Gentiles because they would understand that they weren't allowed in the temple. In fact, there was a whole section of the temple where they could only go so far. And then there was a wall, a partition. And Paul is kind of, kind of, his connotation is they're all thinking of that wall in the temple. And he's, he's saying that wall is broken down. You can go into the most holy place. I love, if, if you understand how the temple worked, it was a most holy place, then a holy place outside of that, and then an outer courts where people could go. And that's where Gentiles could go, but they could only go so far. They couldn't go into the holy place, couldn't go into the most holy place. The Bible says that when Christ died on the cross, it broke the veil that was hiding the holy place. 
Now, now, I know lots of people have said that opened the way for everybody to come to Jesus. I don't think it opened the way for everybody to get to the holy place. I think it kind of let God out everywhere. And everybody gets the message that they belong because Christ now dwells in us. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are carriers and couriers of the presence of Jesus. And that means you can act this way, loving, surrendered, serving. You can, you can pull somebody into belonging without ever having brought them to church. Because God lives in you. He dwells in you. He dwells in us. He dwells in our community. And that's why when we come to church, sometimes it feels so powerful. There's so much strength. I felt it this morning. We're singing it as well. God is doing something in people's lives. And you're just like, whoa, what is that? We have to protect that, whatever that is. We have to make sure we're loving each other well enough that we protect that. And if we will, God will do amazing things with you and me to reach people who need something more than what they have, who are looking for, they don't even know what they're looking for, but they, the presence of Jesus is greater than any drug, any medication, any alcohol. It's, it's, it's better than any relationship. It's, it's God dwelling with man. It is profound. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads. We're going to come to the Lord's table here to finish our time. I want you to prepare your heart for two things. I want you to ready yourself for, as we come to the Lord's table, we're looking at the body and the blood of Christ. And Christ's broken body represented by the bread by the bread and his and his spilled blood represented by the cup and as we partake of this what we're saying is all right Jesus I want more of you in me I thank you that you said I belong and there's some of you in the room that feel like you haven't belonged you've been far away from Jesus and he's calling you to himself some of you are, 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 you don't even, you don't really understand some of the stuff that I'm saying. And you can tell God's calling you to himself. If he's calling you, you are welcome at this table. And we believe in open communion, which means if you love Jesus and you want to serve him and you want to know him, then we want you to participate. If you're uncomfortable for any reasons, no pressure, Right? We're going to go through line, row by row, in lines, and you're going to take the bread and you're going to dip it in the cup, and then you'll go on to your seat and, and you'll receive. And we ask you to go through the line so nobody has to step over you. But here's the thing. I want you to, I want you to realize what Jesus is saying here is you belong. You belong in this family. I want you to receive what Christ has done and take your place. But the second thing I want you to think about here, as, you, as that happens, as God works in your heart in this way, I want you to think about people that, you're, that you've been hurt by or you've been angered by or people who've disappointed you. Maybe even a, a pastor or, a, or another person who's in the body of Christ who's really disappointed you and really hurt you. 
Paul the Apostle calls the church the body of Christ over and over again. And here we are coming to the table of the broken body of our Lord. And what I want you to see is it's not just a ritual. We have to care for the body of Christ, which means we have to care for each other, which means we have to forgive and we have to heal. Would you be willing to sit before the Lord and anybody that you have an issue with or a, a, a relational tension with, that you'd be willing to say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. And because you did that, now I forgive them. I let them off the hook. Would you pray about that and allow that to happen in your life today? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a child. Maybe it's a, a person from a long time ago. Regardless, choose forgiveness because that is going to heal you. And so, Father, as we come to the table, would you lead us and guide us? Would you speak to us? Would you teach us how to honor the body of Christ among us? Teach us how to surrender to one another, how to love each other, and how to, how to heal one another. Lord, we thank you for this, and we receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen.